James chapter 2, verse 18, verse 20, and verse 26. Some would say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And James begins to tell them stories. And I'll share those scriptures in a moment about faith that is shown. Faith that is shown by obedience and by works. Verse 26. For the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Now I want to say this this morning because it is uh, important for you to hear that faith is essential to the Christian life. We know that. And I also want to say that at the end of the service, just let you know that at the end of my preaching, I'm going to challenge you as a church, if you're a part of this church, uh, to be faithful in tithes and offerings. If, if you're a part of this church, I'm going to challenge you to be faithful in tithes and over and above tithes and offerings. I'm saying that right now so you know when you hear that part, you know where I'm going. At the end, I'm near the end. I shared that this morning when I got to that part, I had, had a family get up and leave during service. I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. But I, it's important for you to understand that we're going to talk about faith and what faith means to be lived out. Faith says this. Faith is what God desires for us to have. It pleases God. The Bible says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. For those who come to him must believe he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards folks who seek him, who believe him. One of the things God desires as much as anything else is is that we believe him. Think about it for a moment. One of God's desires is that we would believe his word and we would believe and trust him at what he says. The Bible also says about faith in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. So I, I love that because I know that I, in my life, there's a lot of things I see, but I can't go by what I see. I can go by what God's word says. So I walk by faith, not by sight. So when I'm praying to be healed or praying for God to touch my body, I may still feel sick, but I still believe God to bring healing. I, I may not feel it, but I believe it. I, I still pray for people that, that, to, that well, how am I going to say it? To forgive people I don't want to forgive. I may not feel it. But I do it because in Jesus' name, I'm going to forgive, and I may have to do it every single day for the next year, but I'm going to let God have it. And Jesus, this is yours. I give it to you. I believe in God. God, I'm praying for my family. I don't see any changes. I walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I want you to know our salvation is by faith. Notice what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through nine says, I'm going to walk this with you. I really should probably just preach this, but, but I've got more to say. So uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse one through nine says this. It says in the scriptures, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Speaking of your life before you knew God, he's speaking to believers. You were dead in trespasses and sins when you walked in which you walked and following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, and the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. The world has a spirit that's leading them. They may not even know it. Before you got saved, you were following a spirit, and you had no idea what it was. It was the enemy, the devil. You're following the enemy. 
And it says, among whom you once lived in the passion of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You were headed to hell. You were under God's wrath. You were headed to hell. That's what he says. Look at verse 4. But God. Amen. But God. I love those two words. But God. That, that, that's kind of that's my whole life right there. Lost, broken, wayward, rebellious, not happy, not at peace, not knowing where to turn, but God. I didn't know how my prayers were going. I, I didn't know how I was going to pay the bill this week, but God. I didn't know how I was going to handle that situation, but God. I could, but God, I love that. I love that. That man broke my heart, but God. That lady crushed me, but God. My kids looked like they were going the wrong way, but God. I love God's intervention in our lives, don't you? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. Don't you, just don't, don't you ever forget that as a child of God, you were once dead in your sin, but God made you alive. That's what it means to be born again. God made you alive in your heart. God brought your, you life. He raised us up and seated us with heavenly places that in the coming age to come, you should show the immeasurable riches of the grace of kindness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, that forever you will always be praising and thanking God for redemption, that you were forgiven by the grace of God. Thank God. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Amen. I'm grateful for grace. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Grace. But that grace was through faith that I trusted what God did for me 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to the cross and died for me. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. I didn't get, I didn't get grace. I didn't earn grace. I'm not smart enough to get grace. I don't have enough intelligence to get grace. I'm not good looking enough to get grace. No matter what happens, grace comes to me because of the wonder and great goodness of God. Amen. It's called a gift. It's called a gift. It's not a result of works, so nobody can boast. Not one person in this room. You may be saved. You may be fifth-generation Christian, and your you know, mom and grandpa and them was a, was, were pastors. That doesn't make you any better than anybody else. If somebody just got saved last week, you still got saved on the same level at ground at the cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't have anything to boast about. But, so we're saved by grace. But look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think about it. You're saved by grace through faith, but that faith will cause us to work and to do something God has for us. Notice this. He has something prepared for us to do. He wants us to live out the purpose that he has for us. Amen. Amen. So when you're saved, when you get saved, when faith is in your life, there's a life change that happens. It's called sanctification. You ready for something, 30 seconds of theology? Your sanctification is instant and progressive. Instantly, you're seen holy in the eyes of God, but in your life, you're living out how to please the Lord. 
Your life changes through the power of God. Now understand that when you're saved, your life will be different. You will serve, you will love, you will give. You will be a demonstration of what God has done inside of you. That's why we talk about baptism. By the way, if you're saved today and you've never been baptized, at the end of this service, I encourage you, go get a towel and go and jump in the tank. Yeah, I know you'll go home wet, but you'll be all right. You'll be all right. It's time to get baptized if you haven't. That's an out, we call this an outward sign of what, an inward grace. That's what we call it. It's outside showing what's happening inside of you. And so your works and your life change is a demonstration of what's going on inside of your heart. I said it a few weeks ago, and it's nothing new, but I'll say it again. If you were to be, arre- if, if you were to be arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that. See, there's no such thing as invisible faith. Let me remind you that faith will be visible. Faith alone saves, but faith that saves is never alone, John Calvin said. Faith is never alone and is demonstrated in how you live. So let me talk about a few things. Number one, let me talk about dead faith. Dead faith is not even faith at all. Dead faith is useless. Dead faith is a corpse. Dead faith, faith is cold. It's lifeless. Dead faith is... It, it, when you talk about faith being without works, it's called dead. That means that it doesn't have any life to it. There's no hope to it. There's nothing joyful about it. It has no vitality. Faith without works is dead, period. If your faith has not challenged you in any way to have any God-conscious difference in your life, then you have a faith that's really not even alive. It's dead. And so we say, okay, pastor, I don't believe that there's such thing as, as faith that's dead because faith without works is dead and I can talk the talk and do the chatter, but understand. But what about the other part where we have what's called, I call secret believers, undercover believers. I mean, you start thinking about it. Well, I'm, 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 I confess Jesus, but my life isn't any different. I confess Jesus, but I'm not going to have any kind of uh, conviction about things. I'm, I'm just kind of do my own life, do my own thing. You know, when James says faith without works is dead and, and he talks to them, it's almost like he's talking to the church in 2023. Where believers say, well, I, 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 I claim Christ, but I don't want to get in the word. I claim Christ, but I don't want to go to church. Thank you, Amanda. One person. Amen. <laughs> I claim Christ, but I don't want to live any differently. I claim Christ, but I just want to blend in. I want to put on my, you know, put on my ghillie suit so nobody can see me. I want to be like a chameleon, and no one will know the difference. I'm safe and silent, so I'm a believer, but I don't want to have anybody know that I'm a believer. You know, I read in the Bible, Matthew 10, 33, this is hard words, but Everybody loves what Jesus has to say, so let me say what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 10, if you deny me before men, I'll de- deny you before my Father. <laughs> Pastor, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, I think he meant what he said. <laughs> See, when, when, we're, when we are children of God, we've really been born again, there is something inside of us that is not satisfied with playing it safe or being secret about this thing. Because what happens is when we're born again and when God does a work in our heart, there's something that flows out of us. It's called living faith. 
I wrote this down last night. Uh, Kim, was, Kim got back in late from Arkansas, and so I'm at the house by myself preaching. I'm what, well, full disclosure, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm multitasking. I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching the, uh, I think it was the Carolina Panthers playing football and preaching at the same time. You can do that, by the way. <laughs> but you can't listen and watch football, so don't do that. You can't do that. So I'm watching that and preaching, and my dog doesn't like, because I'm loud, you know, and I'm loud even now, and so I'm loud in the house, and my dog starts whimpering and backing up as I'm preaching. And I started thinking about it. I'm going over these notes and looking at the football game and going over these notes, and all of a sudden it hit me. Faith, faith in your life that's living faith is faith that overflows out of your life. It's overflow. Faith overflows out of your life. A living faith will move you to greater things before God. When you are a person who has faith, it will cause you to love differently. You'll be moved by needs. It will move you in a different way. You'll see people that are hurting and you'll want to make a difference. You'll, you'll see through different eyes. Your, your, your life that, that now is living at peace desires for other people to experience the peace of God. When you are living, a, living faith, it's about looking beyond your own family to other people's family. It's about not looking at your skin color or your race, but looking that everybody is made in the image of God and God has beautiful plans for our lives. When you're living a living faith, it, it, wants you, it, it pushes you. This faith is desired by the Holy Spirit. There's something about it that wants you to share. You just want to share with people the hope that you have. Faith that is active in you will, will make you want to see people that are lost or people that are hurting and want them to know the joy that you have found. It is living strong in you. I was thinking about it last night. And, of course, uh, when I went to Winthrop, I wasn't saved when I went to college. I was uh, 17 years old when I went to college. And first night I'm there, I'm at a bar. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, God, is, God has done a work in me. Y'all have no idea. Y'all have no idea. Now, I didn't share this in the... First service, but man, God did a work in my life. When I was in high school, I was 16, 15, uh, the state of South Carolina changed, changed the legal drinking age from 18 to 21. Right? It was 18 at the time, they changed 21. I was so mad at it about that. I'm serious. I wrote a letter to the governor, Dick Riley, and told him, if you're old enough to go serve your country, why can't you drink? That's, that's what, and, and that, hang on a minute. Amen. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. I, I wrote the letter. I did. I was furious. Because here I am, I'm you know, 16 years old in a couple years, and all of a sudden it changed. I was furious. And that's how I was. That's how I was before I got saved, friends. I was bent towards partying and bent towards sin and bent towards wickedness. Well, Pastor, you're doing well now. Is that okay for me to go crazy? No, it's not okay because I got a lot of scars that you, you don't want to see. But here's what I will say, that when I got saved, God took everything out of my life. I was 19 years old. When I got saved, God did such a work in my life that all I wanted was Jesus, and I wanted people to know Jesus. I had been in bars with people. I had been in relationship with people. I have had friends. I've had family members that were lost, and I was lost just like them. But when God saved me, my desire, I, I remember praying at Winthrop, God, would you save my family, save my friends, save those that are looking for hope, 
Save those that are, save those, oh God, that, that are doing their best to, 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 to find out life and they don't know where it is, but I know it's in you, Jesus. Lord, touch them, speak to them. I mean, I'm praying at Winthrop, I'm walking around and I'm out of the field praying. The next thing you know, a security guard comes up. Somebody called and said, there's some wild man out there praying. What are you doing? I said, I'm just out there praying. The guy said, oh, keep praying. He rolled his window up and kept driving. But I want you to know there's something about it when God changes your heart that you have this passion for people, for God to do a work in their heart. It's this faith that pours out of you, this desire inside of you. Some of you in this room, you, you're, you're saved and you have a desire because it's in you to be a person of the Bible, to be in the Word and to pray and to worship but you're struggling because you don't have the discipline right now. You, you want to be in the Word, but, but, but you skip Bible uh, time and you, and you don't pray like you want to. Can I tell you that if you already have a desire to be in the Word and prayer, you're already halfway there. You're already halfway there. It's, the, it's, it's that place in your life like, I really want to do this. But that's the Holy Spirit working inside of you, friends. Walk that thing out. Be, let God work in you with discipline. To help you live that thing out. Yeah, yeah. And God has got his hand on you. When God saves you, there's a difference in how you act. I, I, years ago, we were doing something at one of the local banks. And, and one of the bank guys asked what church I was from. And I told him, praise assembly. And he mentioned a guy that goes to this church. And he said, um, I, I know so-and-so. He goes there. I said, yeah. He said, boy, his life has changed. He used to be this crazy and wild. And man, man I see what his life's different now. That's what they should say about you. That's what they should say about all of us. That's what we used to be, but we're not that way anymore. That God wants us to be a Christ-honoring, God-loving people. God desires that. If, you were a, if you're saved, you want to go to the house of God and be in fellowship. I believe that's part of the works that God has for us, be in fellowship. I'm not saying that, that you have to be at church every time the doors are open. I am saying that you will want to be with the people of God. See, I, I think going to church is important. I do. I know uh, the whole thing with pastors everywhere is after COVID. And I'll, and I'll say this, and um, I won't say what I said last night at home by myself. So I'll rein it in what I said. But I will say after COVID, there are a lot of folks who never came back to church. Some people didn't come back because they were sick and are sick. And I, we have people who are homebound. And I respect and honor them. That's why we stream, because people are homebound. We have people that uh, are not here. They've just moved, and they're not finding a church yet. So we stream, and we're grateful that you watch online. We're, we're glad that we do that. But sometimes people, you know, after COVID, kind of shook loose, and some folks never came back to church again. And see, I believe the Bible is very clear that we're to assemble ourselves together as a manner of some is. I believe that's very biblical. But I also believe going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just going to church. You ready? I, I'm going to use a phrase I've used for 90, for, excuse, since 1990. I've been in ministry 33 years. I've said this before. Today I'm retiring this phrase. I'll never say it again. You ready? I'll never say this again, but the last time I just got to say it. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. <laughs> Retired. No more going to say it again. And I believe you can be a Christian and not go to church. I do. I also believe you can be married and never go home. Either way, something's not right. Something's not right. 
See, I believe that God, when you're saved, there's a motivation that God desires for you to be with the people of God. That God wants you, which is our vision. I see people wearing shirts all the time. There's shirts all over. I see them all the time. People wearing the shirts have our vision on the back. To love God, love people, share hope. What is that? That is living out your faith. Loving God, loving people, sharing hope. Seeking God and saying, God, what would you have us do? And so, I'll be done in a moment. So James says to them, of course, faith has to be demonstrated. How is faith demonstrated? And he uses two examples, a man named Abraham and a woman named Rahab. You look at verse 21 through 25, he says, Abraham, our father, he's speaking to Jewish uh, believers. Abraham, our father, was justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac. See, his faith was working. His faith was working through what he did. And, and I want you to know Abraham, if you know the story, Abraham was a, was a man who was made righteous before God because he believed God. Abraham was, was an old man and God told him, you're going to have a son and through him the nations of the world will be blessed and Abraham believed God. And Abraham was one day in, in Genesis 15, you'll look at it later, Genesis 15, I believe Abraham saw the, the, the uh, Jesus Christ. He says, the word of God appeared to Abraham. The word of God is Jesus. Appeared to Abraham in a vision and said, I am your great reward. Don't be afraid. And Abraham said, I don't have a kid yet. Abraham's in his, and he's getting up there. And his wife's getting up there. And he said, you will. And he said, go outside, Abraham. He, Abraham went outside, looked at the stars. He said, can you count those? No. That's, a, that's your children. Your heritage will be that. Comes back inside. And he believes God. And the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He, he was declared righteous before God because he believed. The scripture says that in a few chapters later, Genesis 18, Abraham is visited by two angels. And I believe, uh, again, the Lord Jesus, he's visited and they start talking. And he says, this time next year, your wife, Sarah, will have a child. Sarah was 90 when she had Isaac. Abraham was 99 Sarah's in the other tent. She starts laughing, and, and, and the Lord says, why is Sarah laughing? And she said, I'm not laughing. He said, yeah, you're laughing. And actually, Isaac means laughter. And God's promise was he would give Abraham a child. God did what he said. Abraham at 99, Sarah at 90 had a baby. Can you believe that? Hey, where's Papa? Here he is. He comes walking in, you know. Here's 99-year-old here's Abraham. He's a new dad. And years later, Abraham's son, as he begins to grow, become a young man, God looks at Ab God speaks to Abraham and says, now I want you to take your son and I want you to go to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him. Show the picture, guys. I want you to go to Mount Moriah. I think I have a picture. I want you to go to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to go and do that. Do we have a picture? I think we should. There, perfect. And Abraham goes to Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. He's going to sacrifice him. This is a, he had a promise from God you know, 40, 50 years or longer before, and he is going to sacrifice the very promise God gave him because God told him to do it. And he was going to sacrifice his son. And if you, many of you know the story, God said, stop. He stopped him. He stopped him. He said, no, I've tested you and you showed yourself to be faithful. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, when, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who has received the promise, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it says, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered God was able to raise him from the dead. Isaac 
was, gonna, was going up there, didn't know what the sacrifice was going to be, but he was going to be him. And Abraham was convinced that God is so true in his word that even if he did sacrifice him, God would raise him up. That's the kind of faith Abraham had. His faith wasn't just, I believe. His faith was, it's shown in what he did. And Rahab, Rahab, Rahab was, you know, and I, I get it. Abraham's a, a man. He's the father of a, the Jewish people, and he is a man of faith. But now we've got Rahab, who's a woman, who's a Gentile, and she's a prostitute. And James says, this woman showed faith too. This woman was a prostitute in Jericho. I don't have time to go through the whole scripture like I want to, but she was in Jericho, and they were a... Joshua was about to take the land, and he sent spies into Jericho to spy out the land. And these spies were found out, and they hid in a house of this lady named Rahab. She hid them in the upper chamber. The soldiers didn't find them. She said, they're elsewhere. The soldiers ran off. And she she looked at the spies and said, here's what I know. I've been living in Jericho all these years, and we have heard of the God who split the Red Sea and defeated the kings in the wilderness, and your God... We is coming here with his people, and we are no match to them and to you. We are done, and we all know it. Our walls are big and high, but they're not going to stop your God. We know it. And she said, will you save my family? If, if, because I did this, would you save my family? And the spy said, if you get all your family, get your, your dad, your mom, your mom and them, brother and them, cousins, aunties, whoever you got to get. Get into this room, and you take this scarlet cord, and and you lay it out. When we see that, I'll make sure Joshua and the people know that when they see that, we're to spare you. You know the story. The walls of Jericho fell, and the Scripture says that as they went in, Rahab was saved. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the prophet did not perish because those who were di- with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. Think about it. This woman was saved. But she wasn't saved just because she said, I believe God is big. She was saved because she said, I'm going to get my family together. Her action lined up with her faith. That's who we are. Our actions line up with our faith. James is saying a dead faith or a secret faith doesn't matter. It's faith will always manifest itself and be demonstrated in your life. Not perfect, but it will show up. Show up. This morning before we baptize people and whatever, I want to talk to you about dynamic faith for a minute. And I wrote this down um, this week. And the question was this. Have you heard God tell you to do something lately by faith? Number one, have you heard God tell you to do something lately by faith? First question. Second question is this, did you step out and do it? First question, have you heard God lately tell you to do something by faith? And the second question is, did you do it? Here's what I want you to know. God is looking for us to step out in faith. That people look at our church or people look at you as a as a person that people look at your family and say that family is a family that stepped out in faith when God spoke to them they did what God said because they are people that just didn't talk the talk but they walked the walk amen they didn't just talk the talk they walked the walk you know that's right here's what I want you to know friends talking the talk and walking the walk is such a big deal because it's, it has your faith is lived out. 
It's called dynamic faith. You know, I said at the beginning of the message, I'll say it again, uh, that, that I'm going to challenge you in this church, if you're not a tither, to begin tithing to the work of God. And if you are a tither, thank you for being faithful at that. Dave said earlier, you know, people to give online and people to write checks. You know, the old school folks write, you know, you know people like me or other write checks and other folks give online. I can tell you the folks that give checks usually give more. I don't know how to do this, Pastor, but let me write that. You know, praise the Lord. Go do it. Why are you saying it like that? Because there's so many opportunities before us that challenge our faith. That our faith and your faith have to match together. That I can believe God for some things, and, and I'm encouraging you to believe God for some things. Now, if you're a guest here, you know, you're, you're a visitor, you just, you know, just, just sit there and smile. I'll be done with this part in a minute. But if this is your church, let me encourage you to be a faithful tither. Yes, 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 yes. Tithing helps operate the, the work of God. It does. We got a call this week. John Perry called me Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. And I'm saying, how you doing, John? Doing fine. We got an air conditioner out in the other building. I said, okay, well, you know, can we endure the heat? I don't know. Anyway, um, it's going to be about $7,000, $10,000, something like that. Oh, praise the Lord. A couple, couple weeks ago, John said, uh, by the way, our fire alarm system over there is, has to be repaired. It's going to cost $20,000, $30,000. Okay. Thank you. Hallelujah. What do you just... Okay, just say, okay, that's wonderful. What do you do? You just believe that God is going to speak to people to give generously, to tithe, to be faithful in tithing. So, you, you know, I'm not worried about it one bit. God is good. God is faithful. But let me just be honest with you. That's part of the operation of the church. There are people at times, and this is, this is going to sound a little rough, so please forgive me. Keep it rolling online, though, because I want people online to hear this, too. There are people at times, we'll talk about missions, they'll say, well, I'm not going to give the tithe. I'll just take my tithe and put it to missions. Wrong song. Because what happens is the only way we can do the things out there is because we take care of the pro what's going on here. And, and, and by the way, and by the way, by the way, by the way, if all we do is take care of the in, our four walls and never do anything out there, God's not going to bless that either. That's not, when we don't do that. The, the, reason, the reason we do missions and kingdom builders is that we do it because we do it because we want to we wanna continue table of hope and rooms of grace and accelerate and missionaries that we give. You know, last, was it two years ago? I don't know, maybe this past year, we gave as a church to missions and outreach over $350,000, man. God has been good. We want to keep doing that. And we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep doing that. And so we give tithe, we tithe, and we give to we give to missions, because we want to bless, man. We want to be a blessing. We want to continue to bless and let the favor of God rest upon us. Amen. That's exactly what we want to do. And so I'm asking you to have bold faith. Give generously. Tithe generously. Give missions generously. We give out book bags. We have we're, right now we're, with with um, our dinner church. We're trying to find a piece of property to rent. We're just praying. We're right now meeting in a little conference center. we got about 70 folks, and it's going great. We're going to baptize some folks from there today. Today. Great. But, but part, of, part of our mission's budget is we have to find a place to help make that thing continue. 
and, and it is going to continue. I'm not, that's not fear at all. It's just I'm challenging you to step out in faith. I know, I know you clap when I talked about how you need to go to read your Bible. What about giving? You need to clap with that too. Listen, you need to clap with that too. Seriously. There, now, saying all that to say something that's more exciting than that. Are you ready? This is more exciting than that. But it's still faith. It's still faith. You ready? I'm going to look at you in the eyes. I like preaching from the floor because I see people. When I'm up here, it's, I got lights in my eyes. Because I'm going to say it from here. Thursday afternoon, I don't even think Kim even knows this. Kim doesn't even know this. My wife's standing because she's been out of town. And when she got home, I went straight to bed. And this morning when I left, she was, um, she was laying before the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Thursday afternoon, I get a phone call from a gentleman. We call him back. He said, my name is so-and-so. He didn't tell, I'll tell, I won't get into all the details. He said, uh, my brother-in-law pastors a church in a neighboring community. It's about 20 miles from here. It's not Bluffton, but it's a place that you're familiar with. People actually live there and work in Beaufort. People live there and work in Beaufort. You know? Fireworks are legal there. They're not legal here. Amen. That's all I say. He said, There's a, my brother-in-law's a pastor. He's got 25 people or so in his church. His health is not well, and he is in decline. And we were wondering, I'm wondering if you'd be willing as a church to take that church on and make it part of praise assembly in that other community. Amen. I'm excited about that. Amen. Bring it on. Now, and so, and so here's how I'm going to get a hook in some, some of y'all for a minute. I'm, I'm going to get a little hook in you. You ready? Two weeks ago, we had over a hundred, about 100 people show up to say, I feel God's got a call in my life. I want to do ministry. I feel like God wants to do more ministry than I am. And I'll be honest with you, that, we left that next morning and went to Columbus. And that whole week in Columbus and this week I've been praying, God, that's a whole lot of folks that feel like God's doing something in them. What are we going to do with that? How is this going to play out? And all of a sudden, I get a phone call that says there's a nearby opportunity. And I believe, I believe that God is doing a work. 